You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Yes, folks, another week is here. And it just almost seems like each week is now filling into one and going into the other and going into the other. The only way I even remember anymore what day is which is, oh, yeah, podcast tonight must be Monday. So it's a good thing. And it's a great thing to be able to talk about this movie. You know, we're all going back to our high school reunion and we are going to be talking all about gross point blank movie that featured, you know, some very great music with a very interesting story that I haven't actually seen since it was originally out at the movies. So this was a nice little rundown memory road for me. And speaking of someone you'd want to see at your high school reunion, of course, let's welcome Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. How are you, my friend? I, I don't know what day it is. Uh, you know, the fact that it's, we're recording a podcast, uh, I mean, I do that every other day, so it doesn't really tell me what day of the month. I have no idea where we are. Oh, you just have to remember. <sighs> Faber. Is it, it, is must it be 1997? Monday. Yes, it is. Dude. Can we, go, can we go back to 97? I wish we could, you know? <laughs> Hell, I wish we could go back to six months ago right now. And, you know, we definitely are going through some very weird times and hopefully everyone at home is making it okay. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. We would definitely love to hear from you guys. Speaking of hearing from you guys, we have to big thank you, of course, from our friends over at Tifosi. That's right, folks. They actually got in touch with me and they said, hey, you're doing a great job. Keep going with those wonderful sunglasses ads. So folks, that's right. You can actually now help support the ESO network by going to Tifosi and wearing really cool sunglasses, just like I have. And, you know, for $25, even if you have a prescription, you can get some very cool Tifosi glasses. And, you know, no matter, you know, if you're just going to use them that, you know, you can't really go to the beach right now. Some of the beaches are opening, but you know, Hey, if you're going to be out at the park, some parks are starting to open. And if you're going to be in your front yard, some front yards are opening. So, Hey, you know, if you're just going to be around outside, you know, think of Tifosi with Tifosi sunglasses, you can actually go out there and, you know, be really cool looking in these awesome shades and, you know, when you go to the website, all you have to do is in that little part for a coupon, put in ESO Network. And you know what, folks, you can actually go right there and, you know, put in ESO Network. You get 10% off your order. All you have to do is go to tofosioptics.com and say ESO sent you. Pretty darn cool. Also, big shout out to our patrons and want to thank everyone who has been enjoying. We've gotten a little bit of feedback on the ESO Board Silly podcast, the first episode. And guess what, folks? Episode two is coming out later this week. So and this is all exclusive to our patrons. So for as little as a dollar a month, you could help support the ESO network. And, you know, we want to thank our new patrons. We actually do have a couple new ones. So, of course, let's... Of Welcome to the ESO patron family. Let's welcome Elizabeth Laney. Yay. 
and thank you, thank you for you know helping support the ESO network. We also want to thank a few other folks while we're at it. Mark Heffernan. We always like thanking Mark for helping support the ESO network. Mark has been a huge, huge fan. And it's, you know, always great when people support us, you know, and you know, friends of the show, friends of the show show. It's always great just to have support for the ESO network, especially in these times. And it's great to be able to provide extra things for our friends and our people who are supporting us. Yeah, it's behind a paywall, but you know, for as little as a dollar a month, which is four quarters a month, folks, that's 25 cents a week. You can help support the ESO network and you get exclusive stuff. You get the ESO board silly podcast. You get earth station one, earth station who, and Maybe the Dragon Con report. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, possibly. So we will see what's going on. You know, we're going to just find out what's going on in the world and everything. You get that kind of stuff. You also get exclusives from other podcasts on the ESO network. And, you know, we just love helping you guys out. So please go to patreon.com slash ESO network. All right, kids. A couple of weeks ago, we actually did a game show on the year for our opening of the or Station One podcast. It was so popular. We asked these fine folks back. So let's welcome back to the network, to the show. Let's welcome, of course, first Kevin Eldridge from the Flopcast. Hey guys, great to be back for more uh, super geeky comic book superhero sort of talk with my favorite nerds and or geeks. Hello. And from Borderlands Comics, we have Robert Young. How's it going, guys? Good to have you back, Robert, and it's great to have you here too, Kevin, so it's awesome. And Mr. Mike Gordon, you're going to be joining in once again. We're wiping the scores out from last time. We're starting on all new round. You know, so we're going to see who can win tonight. This is a great way to pass the time, and, you know, it's always great just to talk with you guys anyway. All right, let's go. We flipped a coin. It was a three-headed coin, so we're going to have Mike Gordon go first this time. Are you ready for your first question, Mr. Mike? Hit me. Who did Thor face in his first Marvel appearance? A, the stone men from Saturn. B, green men from Mars. Three, mole men from inside the Earth. Or four, ice men from Pluto. They were stoners. They were stoners. That is correct. That is awesome. One point for Mr. Mike Gordon. They were very tiki looking. That's how I knew that. Think, oh, yeah. I, think I ran into those guys earlier this afternoon. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. All right, Robert. What was the original name of the doctor who created the super soldier serum that made Steve Rogers Captain America? Was it Reisenstein, Erkstein, Kurigsberg, or Faustus? Erkstein? Actually. <laughs> No. I, no. I thought it, I, I thought it was I thought it was two. I thought it was two. Uh that it was actually uh Rinstein. Uh later versions include the Captain America of the First Avengers movie changed the name to Erkstein. That's why That's I thought I right. in the comics ah. Rinstein was explained as a cover identity for Erkstein. Bum bum bum. All right. Kevin. Yeah. It's a Marvel question. Of course, it's a Marvel question. You're <laughs> killing me. All right. Kevin, who is the main bad guy of the first of the Avengers 
that featured Captain America? Was it the Submariner? Was it Doctor Doom? Was it Analysis or Nihilus? How do you how do you pronounce it? Or Ultron? So the, was there a word missing there? The, the first issue of the Avengers that, that included? No. Who is the main bad guy of the first issue of the Avengers that featured Captain America? Okay. Because uh, he did not appear in Captain America. I mean, no, in I think it was number, number four, I think. Uh, I know that much. I'm stalling for time. Um, I don't know who the villain was. Uh, it sounds a little early for Ultron. Uh, what are my other options? Doctor Doom. It's either this. It's the Submariner, yeah. Doctor Doom, or Analysis. Uh, I've never heard of Analysis, so I'm going to say Analysis. Wrong. Ah. Anyone want to try to steal? Sure. Okay, go ahead, Robert. Submariner. Perfect. Ah. Yes. Submariner actually found Captain America trapped in ice. Oh, that makes sense. And he actually threw because he was being worshipped by some. Eskimos up north and you know Submariner was on a tear against humanity at the time and so basically he threw the frozen body of Captain America into the water and it started melting and just happened to be run into a submarine with the Avengers in it and they pulled him in as they do as they do okay oh this is an easy one all right I'll give it to, oh, actually, Robert gets a point for stealing that. All right. This is an easy, easy one. All right. I'm going to let you guys buzz in on this one. So it's open to all three of you. How do I do that? Do I just punch my computer? How do I buzz in? Just go. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) Okay. Who said this? Why did you say that name? Martha, why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? Take it. I think we uh, all know that one. Yeah. <laughs> we should all just Let's get all get the point. Yeah, let's all give you that point. It's an easy one. We used to joke, you know, it could have been like, do you like cookies? I like cookies. I like cookies too. Do you like cookies? Exactly. That's the same thing. Oh, we could be best friends. You like the same cookie I do. <laughs> All right. Mike Gordon, name the home of the Inhumans. That's not a multiple choice. No, it's a fill in the blank. Uh, I know they lived on the moon for a while, I think. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll say the moon. Yeah, but the name it's the name of a like a city. Wow. Be more specific more yeah. specific than the moon. <laughs> yes. Wow. Well it's wow, exactly. <laughs> well, because it's not always been. It's always the city has also been in the I think the Himalayas at one point, and then during Burns run on Fantastic Four, they moved it to the moon. Well, there aren't too many cities on the moon, so I'll have to say it's Moon City. Sorry. Moon City on the Moon. Nope. Anyone want to cut to try to steal that one? Suddenly I have a Christopher Cross song in my head. I'm not quite sure what just happened based on Mike's answer. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. Attila is the name of the is the name of the city. All right. Never been there. Okay. 
I must be on okay. the dark side. <laughs> okay, Robert, a golden age question for you. What hero did Dr. Cobra oppose? A, Snake Eyes, two, Megatron, three, the Spirit, or four, Shazam? And what was his name again? Dr. Cobra. Gonna go with the Spirit. Correct. Nice. Nice. Wow. Nice. Well, you got it down to 50-50 on me there. I was like, I've, I've got odds here. Dr. Savannah would be the uh, Shazam guy, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. And so many villainous doctors. Of course. I mean, you know, the best is Dr. Evil, of course. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Yeah. Where did Iron Fist get his powers? Uh-oh. Hey. Okay. Oh, oh, it's multiple choice? Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Oh, good. You have, you have four choices. Yeah, four choices with those. It's Moon City. Yes, he went to Moon uh, City. <laughs> he went to Moon City. Correct. No. Okay. What did he get it from? Latveria. A. B. Kunlun. Three. Wakanda. Or four. Nanda Parbat. Okay. Here's where uh, the time that I thought I had wasted in the very disappointing Netflix series. Now it's, it's all coming back to me. I did not enjoy that Netflix series at all, but I did watch it. And I do remember that whatever you said, B, the answer is B. Kun yeah. Perfect. Yeah. You got it, dude. Wow. Ooh, this, this hours for that trivia. I answer. thought I wasted those 13 hours, but now it was all <laughs> worthwhile. Because I just got a point. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is a fill in the blank question for Mike Gordon. Oh, boy. I feel like I'm a Mexican. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh, this comic book by Frank Miller takes place in Basin City. What is it called? Uh, is it Sin City? Yes. Good job. I thought maybe, I, you know, I was so tempted to say Moon City again. <laughs> Actually, the answer has to be Moon City. <laughs> yes. Somewhere, sometime, will be, the answer's yeah, going to be Moon City. Moon City. Eventually, you'll be correct. Okay, Kevin. Yes. This is a five-part question. Wow. Five answers. No, it's five questions. It's five, no, it's one question. You have five chances to get it right. <laughs> okay. Which of the following was not one of the 2017 DC Looney Tunes team Oh, I like this one. Okay. Okay. Was it Batman and Elmer Fudd? Wonder Woman and the Tasmanian Devil? Bugs Bunny and the Legion of Superheroes? Four, Martian Manhunter and Marvin the Martian? Or five, they're all right? Uh, I think those are all correct. You're right. I love those Those stories. Those are great. Okay. The Hanna-Barbera ones also. They did some DC mm. Hanna-Barbera stories as well. They're all outstanding, especially uh, the Suicide Squad meets the Banana Splits. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> Robert, which of the following would best describe the first comic books? Is it the ad- adaptation of movies? Is it a tie-ins to pulp novels? Is it government propaganda? Or reprints of newspaper comic strips. Reprints of newspaper comic strips by Mr. Gaines. Correct. Good job, sir. Okay. Mr. Mike, this is right up your alley. Moon City. 
Sorry. Anyone want to steal? No. <laughs> what genre did uh, Joseph Loeb and Tim Sales Batman stories embrace? Or was it horror, comedy, science fiction, or murder mysteries? Uh, those were murder mysteries. Correct. One of my favorite Batman comics ever. Excellent. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, most sidekicks have a steady partner, and this is a fill in the blank. They are few serial sidekicks. This person is the exception, having fulfilled a sidekick role for many Marvel heroes. I think I know this one. I think I know Captain this Captain America, the original Captain Marvel, the Hulk, and Rom since his first appearance in 1962. Yeah, I believe we're talking about, if I have the name right, Rick Jones. You got hey. it. Hey. Wow. <laughs> it should have been Rick James. Him and Super Freak? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would have been way better. <laughs> I want to see Rick James in Moon City. Oh, There's yeah. a show. That's a show. Oh, that is incredible. Just let you guys know, you're completely all tied up at four right now. It is neck and neck. So this is anybody's game. Robert. What are superheroes called in Alan Moore's series, such as Promethea and Tom Strong? Oh. Are they called mystery adventurers, masks, powers, or science heroes? Now, now the admission that I've never read any of that. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm inherently evil here. Um, say them again. Let's see if I can guess. Sure. Mystery adventures? Yeah. Masks? Powers or science heroes? Let's go with uh, mystery adventures. Sorry, anyone want to steal? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead, Mike. Oh, sure, thanks. Uh, <laughs> so tempting. <laughs> no, I'm gonna say uh, Moon City. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, is that not an option? I'm sorry. Um, no, it's, uh, would you say science heroes? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Awesome. Good, good job. Oh, Rob, you got to read that. You got to read that I stuff, I did man. read all of oh, those. Oh, me too. Rob. Tom okay. Strong. Tom Strong was Tom awesome. Strong was wonderful. Yeah. They all, they're all great. Promethea, top 10. Yeah. Oh. I don't like what they've done with him by moving Tom Strong into the I didn't pick it. I was like, that doesn't fit that name. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Those are great right. comics. All right, Kevin. Yes. All right. All right, Jack Kirby's Fourth World. This is a fill in the blank right, question. And it's DC. Yes, that's why I'm giving it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Kirby's Fourth World was built around twin planets with contrasting climates, cultures, and leaders. Dark side, the space tyrant with a transparent name, ruled Apocalypse, while the kindly High Father ruled. What city? My father Flash ruled uh, New Genesis. That is correct. Good job, man. All right, Robert. Where did Groot appear long before he was a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy? Was it A, in Greek mythology, B, in a monster comic, three, the Fantastic Four, or in a World War II comic? B. You got it. He appeared in a 
Monster Comics specifically, Tales to Astonish number 30, 13 in November 6, 1960. Groot was one of many monsters created in that era, including Goom, Grog, Troll, Vandamoom, and Krang. We're all made by Kirby, too, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was in the 50s. Marvel was all monsters back then. Mm-hmm. Westerns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Westerns. Yep. Okay. Kevin. Yes. What color was Iron Man's armor between the original gray suit and the classic red and yellow version? Was it yellow, red, black, or orange? I think there was a yellow stage in there. You're yeah. correct. Okay. Mr. Mike. Yes, sir. Who did the absurdly named Mod Gorilla Boss fight? <laughs> was was it the Flash? Was it Gorilla Grodd? Was it Spider Man? Or was it Animal Man? You know that one's not ringing any bells to me. And the one hero in that list that I don't have a lot of experiences is Animal Man. So that's what I will say. I'll say Animal Man. You are correct, sir. <laughs> Animal Man um, met. Mod Gorilla Boss, he in Strange Adventures 201 back in 1967. Awesome. Process of elimination. That is awesome. And gorilla sold comics. Oh, this, uh, D- DC yeah. Comics were just lousy with gorillas in the Silver Age. It was beautiful. Put a monkey on the cover. That's what the kids That's want. Right. It'll, it'll sell. Okay. Robert, this is a fill in the blank. The Guardians of the Galaxy make their home on an ancient planet of Oa, which is famous for more than those blue-skinned folk. Oa is also the home of the Green Lantern Corps. As often happens to comic book planets, Oa was destroyed at one point, causing the Guardians and the Green Lanterns to relocate to blank. It's a Green Lantern, which is also a planet. Mike, in the interest of not throwing Rob off, uh, I think you said Guardians of the Galaxy. Did you mean Guardians of the Did Universe? I? Guardians of the Universe, sorry. I knew who you were talking Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Guardi- I'm used to saying Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, come on. Yeah. The Guardians of the Universe. But I don't know. Are we, is it multiple choice? No, fill in the blank. Yeah, I'll never remember his name. I know who we're talking about, but I don't remember his name. Okay. Anyone want to try to steal? I don't even remember what the question was. I was so uh, <laughs> thrown by the galaxy part. <laughs> so it was, it was the Guardians of the Universe. They left Oa. and They left Oa after it was destroyed, and they relocated the planet to the planet Green Light slash Green Lantern name. Oh, oh, uh, uh, Mogo. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, it was a planet that is also a member of the Green Lantern Corps. Yes. Created yep. by Alan Moore, actually. Okay. Right. more theme to my misses here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mike Gordon, what was the first miniseries? Was it A, Wolverine, B, World of Krypton, three, Crisis on Infinite Earths, or four, Secret Wars? Hmm. I should know this, uh, but I don't know. I don't know what order they go in. Um, what was the the first one? Wolverine by Frank Miller and Chris Claremont. Yeah, I don't. 
I'm going to say Crisis. I could be wrong, but I'm going to say Crisis. No, Crisis was a maxi series with 12 issues. Anyone want to try to jump in and steal? Yeah, that was World of Krypton. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's uh, 1979, I believe. You got yeah. it. Of course, it's the 70s. Of course, you would know. That. I remember buying that issue. I bought World of Krypton number one, and when I when I, I when those. I saw that it was number one, I thought this is this is going to be worth a billion dollars someday. I have a number one issue here. So okay. you're just sitting on billions. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's worth like eight dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I I have I bought all those issues as well, but I my memory is I just didn't yeah, remember that was that was uh, before that was a nice series. Yeah, that was several years before Crisis, and it was a, just a three issue series, and yeah. it even kind of happened accidentally. Like I think it was planned to be one of those um, tabloid size, like one of those giant size comics, and then yeah. they yeah. They, yeah. they changed yeah, it. Down. Plans changed, so it ended up kind of becoming a yeah, miniseries mini and turned out to be the first miniseries almost by accident but then uh, turned out to be a very successful format of course exactly because i know like you know then they started ma- doing the maxi series like camelot 3000 right, right. and a few yeah. others untold legend of the batman that was the, the exactly. yeah, 1980 that yep. was the second one they did i think that was also just three issues yep. that was great get john john, was Byrne, john john Byrne. john doing batman yep. come on that was some of his first DC work. Yes, I think, I think he only did the first issue. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's true. Okay, we got two more questions, kids. All right, Mike Gordon. Who is OMAC, the One Man Army Corps, an updated version of? I get two in a row. Uh, <laughs> well, that's right. You did the last one, so I'll give this to Robert instead. All right, who is OMAC, the One Man Army Corps, an update of? Just a bullet is there. He, Mike. Uh, <laughs> is he an update of Superman, Batman, Captain America, or Modoc? Well, they're you meaning like kind of what they were basing him on? I would say Captain America. Yes. Yep. One of those weird Very Kirby nineteen seventies uh, creations after he uh, defected over to DC. Okay. A lot of this stuff he did. An 80, this is an 80s question, so Kevin should get this. Here we one. go. And this is the final question. Which of the following presidential comics is real? Carter's Corpse? Reagan's Raiders? The Bush Brigade? Or the Clintonistas? <laughs> yeah, there was the part of the, the, that was like the black and white indie comics boom of the 80s. There's some strange uh, political themed comics uh, slipped in there back when the uh, shops were buying everything and uh, the black and white cheapo comics were out of control and uh i know the answer to this one there was indeed a comic book called reagan's raiders damn dude you got it and there's three issues of it i think did they make three of them i didn't know that <laughs> I, I have a uh, reagan's there's one called daffy Kadafi. i have that one i have that one <laughs> Reagan's Raiders, this gun-toting, swashbuckling comic, was crazed satire that appeared in 1986 from Salson Publishing. Yeah, 86, man. That was the, the middle of the, the black and white boom. And, Kevin, you won tonight, oh, sir. All right. You, you won with eight points. Not at that really, you're not getting a prize or anything. Just our admiration. Where's my turtle, my turtle admir- wax? Don't I get something? Exactly. You you get actually rice around the San Francisco. The San Francisco I'll tree. take it. And you also get the home version hey. of this game. <laughs> so 
So, so congratulations. Save me a trip to the grocery store this week. I have to put my mask on. Exactly. Congratulations, sir. Before we uh, check out to go to break, uh, Robert, you want to promote your store? Yeah, it's uh, Borderlands Comics in Greenville, South Carolina, borderlands.us, or find us on Facebook. Um, we do uh, Facebook live sales on uh, for comics on Tuesday nights. If anybody wants to tune into that, it's 7 o'clock Eastern. So that's been something we've been doing that we started during the, this pandemic shutdown thing and are going to continue because it's been silly and fun and in all honesty has given me a, an appreciation for what you guys do all the time because it's developed its own kind of goofy themes and stuff kind of organically from people making comments and in jokes. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. That is awesome. I watch every week, actually. It's pretty, it's great to just see and everything. And you guys are having a blast and it's like, oh, do I want to bid on that one? No, I'll, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll, you know, type thing. It's really awesome. Any update on South Carolina Comic-Con? We haven't heard anything from the city yet. We are uh, messaging and, and trying to get answers, but nobody, you know, I, I get it. Like they don't really know what's going to happen yet, but we hope to know something within the next few weeks. That's awesome. And of course, we'll have you on to talk about that. But I'm sure we'll be have you back again to play the game. We'll lose to Kevin in trivia. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I think, uh, if you don't mind me saying so, I think you could use a little bit more Alan Moore uh, stuff in your show. Yeah, it's right. It's up. I was like, man, everyone I missed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And of course, Kevin, thank you so much for being up here, Mr. Winner. Want to promote your podcast? Absolutely. Uh, right here on the ESO Network, you can find me and my super awesome co host, Cornflake. We do a ridiculous weekly show called The Flopcast. And uh, this week on The Flopcast, we're actually looking uh, once again at the Saturday morning cartoons of the year 1980. Excellent, and I heard this time was CBS. We look, yeah, we're doing we're doing three shows for each of the three networks. Uh, we just this is our second of uh, three shows on the cartoons of 1980. Uh, so this week we did CBS. For me, that's all about Drac Pack, man. Of course, or I was thinking about uh, Ducks with Vampire Teeth. It was awesome <laughs> hearing that. It was a great show, awesome, and of course, thank you both for being here. Let's take a quick break. And we'll be back in a moment, and we are going to be looking all at Gross Point Blank. Hey, everyone. Michelle here with the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment and Lady Gaga's sixth album. It's hard to believe she only has six. And I think that's counting a Star is Born soundtrack. She hasn't had an album out since Joanne came out four years ago, 2016. Um, so that boggled my mind when I heard that. But anyway, uh, her sixth album is coming out a week from Friday, May 29th. It's called Chromatica. And the next single, uh, Rain On Me, is a collaboration with Ariana Grande. And it will drop this Friday, the 22nd. Um, Lady Gaga says it is a dance album. And about the title, she says, I live on Chromatica. That is where I live. I went into my frame. I found Earth. I deleted it. Earth is canceled. I live on Chromatica. Okay. The way things are going, we might need to go there too. So save some room. Um, also, it's been 45 years since Fleetwood Mac released their signature single off that first album with Buckingham Nicks, Rhiannon. And Stevie Nicks says she's spending her quarantine time working on a movie based on that song. 
which is in turn based on ancient Welsh myths. So no idea what this is going to look like. She says she's been listening to Harry Styles and that he's inspired her to write some new songs and poetry. So file that under stuff to look forward to when we all get out of lockdown. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. The blog is, as always, iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, and we will catch you next time. Hi, I'm Joe Heath. And I'm Tony Heath. And we've been watching Doctor Who for five years. So that makes us experts. Probably. I once heard a guy say that he listened to a four-hour podcast by an expert, which made him an expert. So we're experts. Definitely experts. And you can be an expert, too. All you have to do is listen to... The Watchathon of Rassilon. It's a podcast. That we make. Together. Sometimes with friends. Listen to it. Or else. The Watchathon of Rassilon. A proud member of the ESO Network. How do you feel? I'm feeling uneasy, man. Well, look, Mark, I don't want to suggest anything that might be uncomfortable for you, but you might consider, just consider the possibility that part of your problem, part of the thing that's making you so miserable is the angst over killing a lot of people. I got invited to my 10-year high school reunion. What am I going to say? Killed the president of Paraguay with a fork. How have you been? Get out of town. Busy with what's her name? Debbie. Go see some old friends. Have some punch. Don't kill anybody for a few days. See what it feels like. I'll give it a shot. Don't give it a shot. Don't shoot anything. How long has it been? Ten years? Since you stood me up on prom night and vanished without a word? Yeah. for 10 years i freaked out i joined the army i'm a professional killer oh does that do you have to do postgraduate work for that or can you can you jump right in yeah i'm putting together a little concern what like a union yeah, more like a club work less make more i don't want to join your goddamn union all right okay but we're not gonna let you do your little job here we're gonna do it for you and after we do your job we're gonna do another little job Is it getting to you? This is me breathing. I've lost my taste for it completely. That's why I came back. You know what you need? What? Shakabuku. It's a swift spiritual kick to the head that alters your reality. Debbie, I'm in love with you. I know we can make this relationship work. This union, is there gonna be meetings? Of course! No meetings. Welcome home. Welcome back. Now it is time to go back to our high school reunions. That's right, folks. You never know who's going to show up. You know, somebody who could be a card salesman, somebody who could be a scientist, somebody who could be an assassin. You never know. Take it away, Mr. Mike. 
Yes, uh, we are talking all about Gross Point Blank, 1997 movie uh, with no less than four Cusacks. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a Cusacorama. Um, and we are reviewing this movie. Uh, we got our movie people with us, of course. Uh, Ashley, welcome back. It's been way too long. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of weird because at this point in the summer, normally we'd be knee deep in summer movie season and things are a little different this year. So I guess the one positive is that we can't be embarrassed that we messed up our box office picks because there really is no box office. So there is that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We're all winners, right? Sure. We'll go with that. (laughs) Something Uh, like that. (laughs) And uh, we also have with us the the man who selected this movie for us to review tonight. And that is Alex Hawkery. Alex, welcome back. Always a pleasure to be here. And I'm still picking New Mutants to bomb. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so far i'm not wrong <laughs> it's taken on a life of its own i think at it this really point has. if it ever comes out i think how can it live up to the hype do you um, you've seen the meme of the 20th anniversary of the filming of the new mutants <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah i like the fact that the 25th anniversary edition is going to come out before the film does so uh alex we'll start with you gross point blank why um you know it's funny, we've said right before we, we went on uh, that this was a movie that we literally could talk for two hours simply from the soundtrack perspective. Uh, 97 was not really a banner year uh, for, for great films, like the, these, these everlasting kind of films. We had had 94 with Pulp Fiction and Shawshank and Clerks. Uh, 95 gave us Babe. And uh, what was it? Uh, uh, like Four Weddings at a Funeral, I think. Full Monty, uh, uh, things like that. 97 didn't really give us a whole lot of that. But I was 25 at that point. And this movie hit right in my wheelhouse because all the mu- music played in it was stuff that I grew up on. And all the actors in it were ones that I had grown up with. And then getting to see them in this film uh, which very much uh, pokes fun not only at the 80s, but also the high school life. And this was something that I had been out of for eight years. So a lot of that still stuck with me. And uh, that's not a slide on 97, because I want to say that, like, I, I think one of the, I think Bigger, Longer, and Uncut from South Park also came out that year, uh, or at least Mystery Men. But anyway. Um, but but gross point blank was one that you really could have multiple generations go to and enjoy. Uh, and that's kind of why I picked it was because it was just something that at some point in time, everybody's going to wind up at a high school reunion, whether it's your own or not. Um, and uh, I didn't go to mine, but I did go to one for my wife uh, and, and just kind of seeing everybody around and, you know, how bad would it be if right before graduation you flipped out and wound up joining the army and becoming a, a trained assassin? As you do. As you do. Uh, yeah, as long as you got Joan Cusack as your as your partner. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Um uh should we talk about the box office for this one? Absolutely. It made some money. Uh, no, it, uh, it actually it, it opened did actually pretty well. 
it, it didn't do bad for itself. The, it, the movie was made on a $15 million budget. And I have to assume that at least 2 million of that just went to soundtrack rights. Um, oh, I'm God, surprised yeah. the movie's been able to be released. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> and it's from Disney. It is. Yeah, it is. It's a Disney film. Um, but uh, you know, it, it opened, uh, it, it was a $15 million budget. It opened at almost $7 million. And I remember going to it in the theaters and seeing it to an almost packed house. And I know we were going to like 10 o'clock shows on the weekends to go see this one. Um, but it wound up making about $30 million, very, very close. Worldwide, it made $31 million. Uh, $28 million of that domestic, by the way. Eight weeks in theaters. And here's the big thing for this one. You know, we talk about these big openings and things like this. This movie opened at 1,200 screens. Mm. 3,000 is the norm for big movies. And this one opened up at less than half of that, doubled its budget, produced two soundtracks, and we get to talk about it all these years later. And and yeah, we will do that for sure. Um, Ashley, where do you stand on on this movie? Uh, what were your expectations? Have you seen it before? I had not. So I was really excited, Alex, when you picked it because it wasn't even on my radar. I had Ooh. never even heard of it. So my uh, movie coverage gets a bit spotty the farther back in time you go. But thank um, you, appreciate so, that. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was twenty five. I'd never heard of it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I was excited to see something that I had never seen before with a great cast, a kind of a fun premise, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really fun movie, um, regardless of kind of what era you have nostalgia for. It's like we talked about, you could, everybody can relate to that feeling of thinking back to your past and, oh, wow, I wonder what my friends from childhood are doing now, and just... I, I loved how quirky it was and you have the contrast of this um, assassin with silly things going on. So I thought it was a very fun movie. So I'm looking forward to diving into it more with all of you. Have you, uh, have you been uh, yourself to your high school reunion? No. And my husband missed his high school reunion. So <laughs> I don't really have anything to compare it to. I was homeschooled also. So it'd be like a reunion of one. So <laughs> not she too does exciting. that every time she goes into the bathroom. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Party of one. Exactly. A reunion right now. Um, yeah, that's football right. Football game yeah. for blowouts every time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Real Stop embarrassing. And wow. top of the class. But <laughs> so, but it, it's really interesting just to think back to when you were younger, wondering people like you've lost touch with, like neighborhood friends and like your high school age friends and what people are all doing now. And there is a little bit of a bittersweetness to it, too, thinking about, wow, when I look back 10, 20 years ago, is my life now the way that I pictured it as what I'm doing and, you know, look back regrets are the things I wish I would have done differently. So I kind of like that there was actually even a little bit of a deeper theme going on with the movie, even though it is a really funny comedy. Mm, okay. And she went deep. Uh, <laughs> wow. We're going to dig deep. Uh, see, that's what she gets. She's hanging around with the story geeks too much. That's it's what, it, that's too, too much that you just always got to dig deeper, dig deeper. <laughs> that's what's going on there. Uh, Mike, what about you? What's your history with this movie? Um, I actually, like Alex, went to go see it in the theater and loved it but for some reason i hadn't seen it again since 
what, 97. So oh. we're, we're going on 23 years now. Yeah. And it, it's just interesting because it came out at a really weird time because that's also the year my mom died. And mm. so I was dealing with that. And I remember going to the theater to see it to lighten my mood. And it did and made me remember how much of a crush I had on Mini Driver. And it's just, it's just awesome. And loved the music, loved, you know, all the characters. And some of it was kind of like, why are they even in this? And we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. And it was just, it was a fun movie that I was not bored with the whole time watching it again. And that's what I love from seeing this. And that's what made it a really good show. I, uh, I remember when the movie came out, uh, Michelle and I were dating at the time. And I know that this was on our radar, but for some reason or another, we never made it to the theater to see this. And it just got lost in the cracks. I never saw it. This is the first time I've seen it, actually, oh. uh, was uh, this past weekend. Um, so, uh, I, I, and, uh, uh, I thank you, Alex, for choosing it. Cause it's one that definitely was, uh, like I said, on my radar and I, I like a lot of people involved with this movie and, uh, um, it, my experience watching it. Well, at first, uh, I'll tell you this, um, it, it did hit me because, uh, I don't, I think I'm the only one among here that is, I'm actually of the class of 86. This is my class. Yeah, I graduated. Oh, wow. I graduated. Cool. Yeah, I graduated the year before. So yeah, yeah. So so this class but, of ninety. Your turn, Ashley. Any day uh, now. <laughs> two two thousand six. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, this was like whoa. Uh, you know, I'm I I get you. Um, uh, so um, I have to say, the watching the movie, it was I liked it overall. But I kind of feel like um, maybe it was a missed. Uh, it missed a couple it, things it swung for, um, and we can talk about that a little bit. But one thing that I definitely appreciate about this movie is that I almost feel like it was film, like it was made. I don't think it could have been made before '96 because obviously it's a 10-year anniversary thing. But mm-hmm. um, it it reminds me that there's that time period that. Uh, you know, growing up in the in the late seventies, early eighties, all the teen comedies were like, like, uh, how do you call it? Like they were like sex comedies, right? They were like right. Fast Times and 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 uh, Last American Virgin. Yeah, yeah, all those. Yeah. Um, then in the late eighties, John Hughes comes around and just changes everything, changes the landscape. And uh, um, and I think here in 97, you're still seeing the effects of that. Yeah. Uh, I do think that, uh, as you mentioned, Alex Clerks kind of reboots it too. So it's not, it's you've got this John Hughes plus Kevin Smith attitude, which you see in films like uh, Empire Records uh, and other films like that, that sort of uh, meet that as well. If you're going to go off Kevin Smith, though, I would say more than Clerks, I would say that'd be more of Mallrats. That yeah, it's more Malratzian. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, in yeah, that regard, but still, right. I mean, there's, it's it's still like though it's still kind of like, like I think Kevin Smith took the what John Hughes was doing and sort of made it like remade it for that generation, right? Um, uh, and it's a it's weird because John Hughes kind of disappears from making movies around this time. 
Yeah. Like he's still he's still writing. He's still doing like um, uh, I think he's doing like Home Alone twenty or something, and he's doing like <laughs> Beethoven eight or something. But but uh, but really, Curly Sue, Curly Sue was what yeah, he was doing about this time. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if we mentioned that, but um, uh, <laughs> but um, I mean, he does great. You know, he does does a lot of writing. And uh, so you take a look at like things like uh, Great Outdoors, which has got uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd Aykroyd in it. Right. Dan Aykroyd in it as well, which is written by John Hughes. So this felt like this felt like me to me like, man, wouldn't have this been awesome if if John Hughes like had been part of this and it'd been some sort of like it almost been like 16 Candles 10 years later. Right. As a dark comedy spiritually this movie is connected to that uh and you can tell with the basis of one single character in the movie and it's jenna elfman's character uh that you see in the um at the reunion in the reunion yeah she's wearing a back brace and the reason why is to honor joan cusack's character in the breakfast club yes yep it's it's or 16 uh, candles 16 candles, right, 16 candles. Yeah. 16 candles i mean the fact that you've got you know john cusack who was in uh 16 candles and yeah. uh you know there's a lot of like similarities um as far as you know looking back on it but um but that said um he's you know john hughes is not part of this and and uh whereas i appreciated the high school like reunion part of it the assassin part of it was not something I appreciated. So it, I just, it, it fell flat to me. It didn't, it, for a dark comedy, it did, didn't go dark enough. And I don't know if that's because it was a Disney film uh, or see, I, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's John Cusack's fault because I know he's, I've seen him in serious, more serious roles, playing darker roles mm-hmm. uh, way before this. He does the grifters, which he's amazing in. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big John Cusack fan, but I think some of the humor that that side of it left me kind of flat. So, but I don't want to like, you know, I'm not here to trash the movie or anything. I just, uh, cause I think overall it was pretty good, but I think the reunion stuff hit me and worked for me a lot better than the, than the uh, assassin. Story. Part of that I think is because the assassination uh, aspect of the film is not the central story. It's a subplot. And it's a very small subplot. Yes, it has major links and spoiler for a movie that came out in 1997. Um, you know, you, you have these, these moments, but the crux of the film is him coming back to his old hometown and, re, and, and reintroducing himself, um, not only to his ex-girlfriend, Minnie Driver, but his best friend, played by Jeremy Piven, wonderfully played by Jeremy Piven, uh, who I think at that point, I had maybe only seen him a couple of times. Uh, yeah, most notably, very early for him, yeah. PCU. Yeah, it's very early. Um, and, and Michael, thank you, by the way, for, for bringing up Empire Records. That was my other choice uh, oh, for this show. So good, so good. Yeah. So, um, but I think the crux of the film was more oriented towards his mm-hmm. aspect. There are many times in the film where people ask him what he does for a living. And he flat out tells them, I shoot people for a living. And their response 90% of the time is to make a joke out of it. Of course, they all thought he was joking. They all thought he was joking around with it. It's, mm-hmm. it. it's, But it's that, it's sort of like that, like the first act is assassin. 
the last act is assassin the middle chunk is is all high school reunion and that's where this movie shines i mean the meat of if, it. if you want i mean if you like not only we mentioned 16 candles before but if you take john cusack from the say anything movie which is his other big movie from around that time where it's a romantic movie i mean nobody does sort of high school ish romance better i think than john cusack does but he's not as much known for those uh when you take his when you take his teen films you're looking more towards films like one crazy summer and better off dead i don't um, know say anything was huge well say anything oh, yeah. was huge but that's cameron crow i mean you know <laughs> and again that's got the same ending that uh that that um uh mrs robinson the graduate uh sure, has sure because it's that okay they're off on their adventure this doesn't look good um and well that's why this almost ended too and that's yeah like, kind yeah. of how it does yeah, yeah. so um, so uh, uh but yeah i think I, I i wasn't crazy about dan Aykroyd's character in this film uh as the the assassin unionizer uh which is a wonderful satire concept um but overall i don't think that like i said i don't think the assassination part is the meat uh i think it's the sizzle uh the steak really is the the reunion stuff and the the things that go on uh within that and i just like blew my mind earlier tonight looking at the the cast beforehand uh and realizing that the bully who who gets drunk and writes poetry was one of the uh one of the chiefs from d3 the mighty ducks mm-hmm. and i'm just like no no the age is it, no how does this all and yeah like he's like you know he's canadian or something because he just looks young um well yeah but, and i loved also the scenes with alan arkin as the yeah yeah therapist. oh my god arkin is one well and again this goes back to the cast this cast is amazing oh yeah um, you know, if you if you put you know if you take all the Cusacks out, you lose forty percent of the cast. Admittedly, yes, true. I, I think it's, I read it, it's it's his dad and his sister are the only two Cusacks that aren't in the film, um, which is pretty funny. Is this mm-hmm. is this the most Cusack movie ever? Like the biggest, like like the most Cusacks that have ever appeared? The, on the film largest Cusack gross, I think. Exactly. Is it? Um, <laughs> is it, I don't know, but I, you know what? We'll say yes for now, and then somebody in, in the comments tell us. I, I didn't know if uh, uh, the baby that Amy, the character of Amy, was holding was Anne Cusack's actual baby, and I'm like, well, if that's true, then there's like you know four yeah. and a half Cusacks in here. So I think that uh, baby might have been a Cusack. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> certainly spent a lot of time shooting it um yeah. but uh um uh ashley so what's something that else that you took away from this what's something a uh, character or story arc or scene that you liked a lot yeah i just thought it was really entertaining to uh see him trying to balance this assassin lifestyle with just like going back to his high school reunion and trying to connect with a high school girlfriend that he really messed it up. I mean, you think he has pulled off international assassins, like he should be able to keep his cool, but he is super nervous and has trouble talking to this girl he liked from high school. So it's kind of fun to see that um, be relatable. And I liked how she interacted with him too. Like she's willing to forgive him, but she made him work for it a little bit. So, I mean, if you do get dumped on prom night, that's, that's probably fair that you make them work just a little bit to make that up. But 
I, uh, I enjoyed seeing that. And again, it was interesting kind of how some of the more serious moments, like the moments with his mom and then talking about, uh, you know, just getting scared, not sure what to do as high school was drawing to a close. So I, I liked that they had some more serious moments to ground it just a little bit without taking away from the comedic aspect of the film. Yeah. Um, like I said, the movie, like in the first act doesn't, doesn't work as well for me. Um, but as soon as that, like that scene with him, uh, and, uh, Debbie, uh, at the, at the radio station, uh, just, I'm like, yeah, no one plays that stuff better than John Cusack does. Uh, um, and this is a really early, uh, mini driver movie, isn't it? She had done Circle of Friends. Yeah, she actually had, after Circle of Friends, she had lost a ton of weight. Mm-hmm. And this was the first one where, you know, she was with her new look. Yeah. And everyone was just like, that's the same person? You know, type thing. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. It was it was quite a, um, I, I, it sounds piggish of me to say it was a, a drastic change. Uh, but yeah, it, it was. I mean, as far as Hollywood goes, um, she went from the uh, um, cute uh, leading girl. lady from uh, frumpy leading lady from independent films to uh, a sex symbol. Yeah, uh, with this film, um, which and she did a great yeah. American accent, but I caught she did a wonderful American accent. Yeah. Um, I did catch a couple of times where she lost it a few, but that's, you know, but she was great. And if you didn't know, you wouldn't been able to tell she wasn't American. No, that was a great I, Jamaican I, accent as well. Yes. I, yes, I, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't come in. You can't, can't come in. Come in. Uh, that was a cute scene too. Um, the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, some, what's something else from you that, uh, for you that uh, works in this movie? The chemistry between the two main characters made it for me. You could tell from the very first scene where he looks at her at through the window of the radio station. Mm-hmm. It's like, ting, the chemistry is there. And I think that makes the film. The one scene that totally got me with them, when they got to the high school reunion and they both poked their heads around the corner, mm-hmm. like looking into the hall, it was just like, you could tell they were a couple. You yeah. could tell they had a history. And that's it was believable. And that's what was great about it. It was very organic. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much so. And very organic I, and well shot. And it just like I said, that like those scenes in particular, I was like, whoa, this is like watching a John Hughes movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's I, a John Hughes shot. Mm-hmm. And the but the look on his face for me, what made the movie was when he realized his house had been destroyed. And the Quickie Mart was built there. Yep. Or Ultramart, excuse Ultra me. Ultramart, yeah. Exactly. It was built on the location of his old house where he grew up. And then he had to go to the senior center to find his mom. Yeah. And his mom basically recognized him, but then poof, it was gone. And that hit me really hard because my mom was going through something similar mm. at that time. And so it was that when I saw it the first time, that was the, I was in tears at that point and I felt for him a lot and everything. And then him going to the cemetery and pouring the liquor on his dad's grave. Yeah. That said so much. 
there's some emotional beats in here um, that I think, and like if if the movie had decided to be a little like embrace a little darker, I think it might have worked for me better. Um, I understand from looking at the like production stuff of it that the director uh, like shot like like really three versions of the movie. Yeah, and and this one was the most over the top, uh, comedic wise, and that's the one that you know I guess Disney and them went with. Uh, um, you know, it's weird. It's got an R rating, but apart from a few f bombs, I'm like, why? Like, I know that the 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 scene, the killing in the high school is pretty brutal. But that's <laughs> I'm going to say R. he killed a man with a fountain pen. Yeah, but that yeah, I mean that's that's PG thirteen mm-hmm. at this point, right? I mean, yeah, well, compared to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, <laughs> exactly. you know. like you could rip a guy's heart like out, melting faces. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and you know, and then them, them wrapping wrapping the guy's body in the banner. Yeah. And you know, tossing it into the and then burning it Sweeney Todd style. Oh, exactly yeah. in the furnace. It was just. But Piven's got this amazing line yeah. right after all that's done because he introduces himself. He just is like, "I'm done," and he's like, "Hey, I'm so and so. I'm you know, I, I sell real, real estate. estate. Yeah. Who the hell are you? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Mark, just, Martin, and that's what I'm telling does. you know, Martin, yeah, telling everybody what he does. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and everything. Um, Piven and Piven and Cusack are great together in this film. Mm -hmm. They have actually been friends since childhood. Oh, that's cool. So that adds to that and probably how Piven got the job. Mm -hmm. Um, Is this early in his career? Yeah. Yeah, Yes, fairly early. If you'd, uh, he would have had a PCU and, but I think this definitely, this predates Entourage. Oh, way, way, way. Yeah, and, and that's what Piven's most known for. Because wasn't he also um, on Ellen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was he was uh, he was Ellen's brother. Yeah, because Ellen was early '90s, so th- that's probably five years before this. Yeah, so it would have been all around that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at Piven's uh, just to see if this like what is uh, Piven's uh, uh, databases filmography, just to see well what else he did before this. Uh, he's in. He's in Say Anything. He's in One Crazy Summer. He's in The Grifters. He's in... <laughs> wow. So he's in all of Cusack's scene here, you know? <laughs> I think uh, I think Cusack was like, this is my uh, this is my stunt double. Um, uh, no. Um, so, yeah, but... Uh, and Piven grew up in Illinois, and that's another reason that Gross Point Blank has a, has a John Hughes feel to me, because uh, it, even though it takes place in Detroit, yeah. This has this has Illinois written on. This is this is wait, sure wait. Illinois all yeah. over it. Yeah, this yeah. should have this this could have been like this should have been Chicago. Yeah. Never ever tell anybody th- about that in Gross Point that they're from Detroit. They'll kill you. Yeah. It's like <laughs> they're like no 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 no, we're not Detroit. We are Gross Point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can understand re- why people don't want to admit they're from Detroit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I can understand that people from Detroit kill people. So I get See? That, that. So yeah. See, um, it all ties up. But yeah, it's got a, it's got that feel uh, to it, big time. Um, yeah. So it really, from that perspective, I uh, this is like a, it's like a, a, like a lost, uncut or like, um, like a, I don't know. It's just a weird sort of John Hughes type film, and they don't. What happened to Bender after uh, Breakfast Club? They don't. Uh, they don't make these kind of movies anymore 
No. No, not at all. And uh, and that's kind of a shame, I think, because mm-hmm. uh, somehow we went from you know in the in late eight or late eighties to early nineties we go through that John Hughes period. Like I said, Kevin Smith kind of resets everything, and we get we get a string of comedies and like that kind of high school comedies like that. Yeah, and then I don't know. Uh, I think then you know you get Cameron Crowe right after this yeah. also. Just a a little bit, but I think I think moreover than the comedy start with like uh uh like um something about Mary and that kind of stuff kicks in and then it goes a whole different direction. The the main issue that you have here is you have two terrific high school age uh films that come out roughly around the same time. We've mentioned them already. Mall Rats and Empire Records. You know, what's mm-hmm. fascinating about both those movies? They bombed. Yep. They absolutely bond. Kevin Smith tells the story in, I think it's the second evening with Kevin Smith, uh, how he got the phone call on that Friday uh, that Mallrats came out. And they said, yeah, the movie made $2 million. And he goes, oh, okay, well, you know, what's that mean? That means the movie failed. Yeah. It's it's dead in the water. We're, we're, we're not doing anything else more for it. Um, and it's just like, oh. And Empire Records, I'm not even sure, got released to theaters. I saw posters for it everywhere and then immediately saw it on video. Um, So I don't even know if it really got released. They have had a huge following over the last 20-plus years. Um, But they they really have it. And and all of a sudden, films like that, these these Hughes-esque large group films that are good for all ages mostly uh, there's a lot in mall rats that's not appropriate for anybody um but you you have that which just kind of fails and then about two years later roughly two years later we get a really funny teenage r-rated sex comedy it's called american pie Oh yeah, that brings us and it completely right back. Yeah. Re- rearranges what the uh, what the the high school movie esque film is. You, you get a little bit of the huge esque thing because you have a big cast of different characters, but it's hardcore comedy with a lot of foul language because that's how teenagers talk and pie. Yeah, pie. <laughs> So, well, um, and also, I saw that as just returning back to the early classic seventies, like eighties, yeah, exactly, yeah. right, right. With because once, like I said, once Kevin Smith enters, then you go into our territory, and it never goes back to PG thirteen. No, no, no. Uh, Kevin Smith's never tried to do a PG movie. <laughs> well, wasn't Cop Out PG thirteen? I was going to say, I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter whether or not he tried. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, but, uh, okay. Back to gross point blank. I mean, uh, it, we've talked about, you know, we mentioned it, uh, of course, uh, the incredible soundtrack, um, the playlist on this thing, it came out, they had two, two official soundtracks released. They did. And then there's a ton of music that's not, uh, listed on the soundtrack, either soundtrack. I don't know if it's rights issues or what, but still, you take uh, all this stuff together and you've got, mm, I'm looking here, my math is really crappy, but we'll say at least 40 tunes 
Yeah, uh, easily. Mostly from the 80s. There's some that uh, from the 90s that squeak in various times. Uh, probably most notably Guns N' Roses' Live and Let Die version. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that's quite obvious. I'm like, I'm like, man, I, I'm like, I was around in 86. That was not even a thing. No, <laughs> like Guns no. N' Roses was, was, well, they were just starting to hit in 86. In 86, uh, yeah. Starting hit, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they were far from covering, uh, Paul McCartney and Wings. Um, uh, but let's talk about, uh, the soundtrack, uh, Alex, uh, do you, do you own these or do you, I is your playlist got this covered? I, I, no, <laughs> um, no, actually there's a, a lot of, a lot of the stuff from the soundtrack, um, uh, were, were things that, you know, really were not on my radar, uh, mm-hmm. at the time of watching the movie, but love the movie, go by the soundtrack, love the movie, go by the soundtrack. It's what you do. Um, so, you know, Rudy can't fail, uh, was a, a, a song that was, I mean, I never even heard of it and, you know, loved it mirror in the bathroom. Oh, English beat. Uh, that was awesome. Yeah. Which was amazing. And one that I don't know how I missed that. I grew up during that time. Uh, and I was definitely an MTV kid. So, uh, you know, a lot of the music that's in it, uh, just exceptional, um, but does a great, I, I really want to say that if, if you are just wanting to get in to the punk or wave scene and you need a primer, the gross point blank soundtracks are a great introductory for it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you're into any kind of want to learn about eighties music, especially the new wave alternative scene at the time, that soundtrack is perfect for it. Uh, it should be noted that the music for this movie was put together by Joe Strummer. So okay. obviously you've got, you've got, uh, yeah, but what has Strummer ever done for music? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, oddly enough, the Clash appears a couple to more than a couple times huh. on the soundtrack. Go figure. Yeah. I'm um, shocked. <laughs> also, the Pogues. The Pogues, the Pogues right. make an appearance, uh, which you know, Strummer had some work to do with that. I, I, the biggest surprise to me, <laughs> looking at the soundtrack, was um, that uh, the specials are featured a lot. Uh, there's mm-hmm. like four songs by the specials on here which is a, a band that doesn't get a lot of uh, push and, and a lot of recognition, but I'm like, here they are. That's pretty cool. Well, not yeah. here in the States. Well, true, but this yeah. is a, this is an American movie. <laughs> oh no, very much so. But where I was going with it is a lot of these bands were very well known, but in college radio, this was a lot of their mainstream appearance and such. And it was really awesome to see, which is pretty Well, rad. I think by this time, uh yeah you're right in the 80s that's true um but by this time in the 90s like they're we're looking back right we're looking back and this is a lot of it is what it was on uh what uh um what do they call that um that show on on mtv or did the alternate music the 120 minutes yeah 120 minutes, the 120 yeah. minutes. there's a yeah. lot of lot of songs here that would appeared mm-hmm. on that oh yeah but also you have to realize this is with this um Blister in the Sun became more popular than when it was originally yeah. released. Mm. From and the a lot soundtrack. of awkwardness when people find out what the song's about. Oh, of course. Um, so uh, Great new video for it, though, from the movie <laughs> with, with the cat puppet. Yes. Yeah. Which is awesome. There um, are two versions 
uh, blister from the sun that are on the on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how much uh, that's how important it is to this. Yeah. I think it's funny though because in the first, like when it first starts, uh, the character actually like, turns it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in 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 my mindset, my head canon uh, states that the the soundtrack for this movie uh, is actually all done by Minnie Driver's character. Of course. I, like I, it's how I picture her just making a playlist for the entire weekend. I did enjoy that you know she was using vinyl at the mm-hmm. records at the at the radio station. Yeah, because most radio stations by nineteen ninety ninety one had switched to CD. Sweet CDs and uh, and the cart system exactly. Know. So it was interesting that she was using vinyl still, and the one the one scene where she's all flustered and the record starts up like that, which was awesome. Yeah. There's Uh, a, uh, there's an alternate scene uh, that was shot when, when he first goes to the radio station where um, instead of getting angry and, and doing what she does to him, um, she actually jumps up and kisses him. And when they were filming it, uh, uh, John Cusack didn't know that was going to happen. Oh wow! So yeah, it was just like this is the reaction of the girl that you haven't seen in twenty years uh, or ten years. Sorry, uh, seeing you again, and it shows that there's still that connection. And she can kiss him because she's thrilled, and then she goes into the "I'm going to, uh, you know, publicly murder you on on radio," um, character wise. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and I'm, I'm glad they didn't use it. Um, because I love, uh, I love how in control she is when she's in the radio station. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's her house. Yeah. Uh, even more so than her house. Yes. Uh, that, uh, uh, she still lives with her dad. So. Yeah. Uh, Ashley, what about you? Any, any response to the soundtrack? Well, uh, I do have to admit, shamefully, that I'm not really a fan of 80s or 90s music. Um, The 60s and 70s is where it's at for me. So Guardians of the Galaxy, like that's my jam soundtrack. But I will say that I thought it the music was used well in the movie and it fit very well with the tone. And I liked the theme of Minnie Driver's character being a radio DJ and what all that added to her character. So even though that's not my personal favorite style of music, I thought it worked well within the film. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, also, I found out uh, when I was looking at uh, the re- researching this that uh, there is a unofficial sequel to uh, Gross Point Blank uh, that was made in 2008 called War Incorporated. Yep. And uh, it has uh, John Cusack. Actually, the movie was co-written and produced by John Cusack. It has his uh, sister, uh, Joan, in it. And Dan Aykroyd is in it as well. Um, it's It looks like, I, I just pulled it up here, it looks like it's a much darker movie. It is. It's a much darker film. It's about war profiteering um and and you know selling to both sides and that sort of thing uh it's another it's another dark film but it's a much much darker film mm-hmm. and uh not as not as many songs from the specials 
Hmm. Um, it's interesting so. that he survived the TV to the face. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah oh. That's why it's an unofficial sequel. Oh, okay. Man, I kept waiting for him to get up. I, yeah. I thought he's not dead. He's not dead. Haven't you guys he, no, ever watched like a Halloween a John Carpenter movie? Like yeah. he's not. He's going to come back. And it's just I forgot how heavy those TVs used to oh, be. Man. It's, it's, <laughs> it's such an abrupt end to that fight, too. That's one of the things that's so... I think that's what makes that scene so jarring is is because you've had this big, long shootout, and we've already seen one long fight sequence, the uh, the assassin that comes to the uh, uh, party. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, who I, I love the fact that he... Uh, yeah, the Ultramart, and then comes to the... And, of course, the name tag that he picks up uh, for it as a woman. Yeah, of course. Uh, so the person behind the counter says, well, you've certainly changed, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a great line. Um, but, uh, that, that fighter, uh, that assassin is actually, uh, John Cusack's, uh, Kung Fu instructor. Wow. That's, that's his fight instructor. So, yeah. So that's why they were able to have, uh, uh such a good fight and everything. We had this long fight with them. And then we get this long shootout, uh, at Debbie's house. Uh, and they wind up with, with no bullets. And Cusack's like, you know, can you spot me a gun? Because they're both businessmen, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, and so you expect, okay, so this fight's going to go on a little bit longer than, bam, television, done. I love that. Any dental? No dental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no deal. No deal. Um, I, I want to uh, sort of just take a moment to uh, while uh, we're talking about this movie, because I don't think we've really ever, I don't think in the, the 10 years we've been recording, Mike, uh, and talking about movies, I don't think we've ever really sort of acknowledged John Cusack at all. Nope. <laughs> and uh, I got to re- say. There's I, reasons. Well, I got to say that, you know, um, at least, earlier in his career in the in the you know certainly in the 80s uh 90s and uh, you know a few other things like it like he comes out with movies that really just like when they hit they they hit me hard um it's been a while since i've seen him in something but i i really also appreciate where like his range what he does like he doesn't stick to one genre uh he tries to stretch himself sometimes maybe too far He's not afraid to do like wacky comedies. I think uh, the last thing he had a success with was uh, the hot tub time machine movies. Yeah. Yep. Um, but um, you know, I think when he, when he's able to hit it, like early in, in his career, like I was watching all of that stuff, all of the stuff that he did, you know, whether it was uh 16 candles, short sure thing, you know, uh, one crazy summer uh, tape heads, eight men out, uh, the Grifters. Uh, I mean, I was watching all that. High stuff. Fidelity. Mm-hmm. High Fidelity comes later. That's in yeah. like the 2000s, but it, yeah, it's right in 2000. And that, like, yeah, that was an amazing movie. Like that, yeah. that, um, yeah, that one is one that at some point I think we might want to cover at some point. Un- until so you, uh, with 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 Cusack, he was not afraid mm-hmm. to take a different role and style for each film that he was doing. the The major difference was if he was working with the same director, he would kind of keep that same style. Uh, Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer basically are the same film. Um told from from a different angle um and one using a rocket launcher um 
but but Cusack was constantly a chameleon in, in that regard, and for him to be able to do darker films like The Grifters, which I feel that was Oscar nominated, but I don't think he was nominated. Yeah, I don't. Think uh, I, I, I want to say maybe Angelica Houston was. To be honest, I don't think he's ever been nominated. He's never been nominated. Um, I, I think a lot of I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Academy still sees him in that say anything role. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think he did expand way past that. Oh yeah. Much. So, well, yeah, like I said, I think he, he does try to stretch. I mean, I think there was a movie, what a while back where he played like Poe, right? Uh, yeah. The Raven. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's done horror movies. I think he was in a, a Stephen King movie did a couple of ones the yeah. the the uh the hotel room what was it 1407 that's the one i was thinking of thank you yeah um 1408 sorry 1408 yeah I'm, uh, 1408. I'm thinking of the prequel you're thinking of the prequel right yeah <laughs> uh, do you have to watch all 1400 movies you really sense? do to make to get it to make sense um uh but you know he's often a co-writer often produces i mean this is a guy who takes active interest in his career he's not just out there to like just uh, cash in a buck it feels like uh he's not doing this for that um it seems like he he really wants to stretch himself um ashley what is your you know do you have any sort of john cusack movies that uh that stand out for you i know that i've seen him and stuff but i can't nothing is coming to mind right now i think maybe he falls under one of those actors that's kind of underappreciated at times or not thought of as much today. So seeing him in this movie did make me want to go back and see some of his other films that were kind of in this similar style, because I think he did do a really good job in the role and was funny and charming and kind of brought a unique flair to it. Yeah. He can, he can carry a movie. Yes. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's uh, something that grows point blank. I mean, I know this wasn't the first time he carried a movie, but uh you know in this one it's that's it's not an issue i mean he can do that right like, he, he carries this movie he's there, practically in every yeah season. just about yeah yeah he he has uh the gross point and his performance in this has a real rewatchability um yeah. there's there's a very it's, it's very easy to be able to to sit down uh it's a channel surfing movie if you're if you're flipping through the channels and you happen to see it you'll stop mm-hmm. Um, it may not be one that you actively go out and, and pursue. Um, but I think if you stop and watch the film and, and listen to how the music, uh, is, is another character in the film, um, really makes for a, a, a great, easy two hours of watching. Um, any other thoughts about, uh, the movie, Ashley? Um, no, I enjoyed the title. I thought the title was fun. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Yeah. I just think it's enjoyable. And like we were talking about earlier, it is a shame that they aren't making movies like this anymore. Smaller movies that have great casts that are just a fun premise that are comedies, but still have a little bit of weight to them. And I think it really is a shame. I I mean, I love all the big blockbusters. Superhero stuff is awesome, but I really wish that they were trying to make more movies like this that are just kind of fun, clever premise stuff that people can 
easy, easily relate to more people-based comedies. So it will be interesting to see maybe what comes out of this time of quarantine as people get back to work and back to creating, if there'll be a nostalgia for past eras, if, as people have been at home, kind of, I've seen people watching a lot of feel-good movies. If we'll see kind of a resurgence of that. So I, I think it'll be, I'll, I'm curious to see. Uh, Mike, what about you? Any sort of last comments on the movie? If the ESO network ever hires an administrative assistant, I already know who I want to hire. <laughs> you know, she was awesome. You know, it was just, she was right to the point. And man, if one of our orders came in late or was wrong, we know who to sick on. You know, she, she's the Jiminy Cricket of the film. Oh, She's very the, much the so. Conscience of the film, which I think is is great. Um, I don't know if y'all are going to be able to afford her. Uh, that was a serious severance package that she got at the yeah, end of that. There's no yeah, way. There's I no can't way. even get a decal for the car. Oh no God, way, uh, I, I, Patreon would cover her. Again. Yeah, no, I would. I loved it when he said, "I'm going to pay a visit to you soon." And she was like, "Oh, oh," he was like, "Oh no, not that way." Yeah, <laughs> I. I left. I left a little gift for you underneath the desk. Yeah. I would like to see a spinoff with her character. Like, what does she go and do with all that money now? She's like set for life. Does she want to, does she become an assassin herself or does she like retire to an Island and just enjoy drinking martinis? So I'm curious. She's a fixer. Yeah. She's a fixer. Yeah, She's oh, working God. from home with the headset and all nine. <laughs> oh, I liked when they said, are you closing down the office? And she's pouring the gasoline. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Which was, oh, it was just awesome. She is closing it down. She's banging on the computers. Like, who hasn't wanted to do that? Uh, take a take a hammer to some computers. Yes. Um, I also think, too, uh, we haven't talked about it, but, and I just want to mention real quick, because uh, what else am I going to get to mention this? But uh, Hank Azaria is in a very too small of a role here. Like, yes. It should have been, like, I wanted to see more Hank. I mean, he was, I thought he was funny as hell like he's one of the funniest uh guys in the characters in the movie and man are they taken out brutally <laughs> and uh just like i didn't i didn't even think they'd i was sort of sad about that i was like man that's i thought, I thought I, it I, was like, actually almost wasted in some ways with his character because they built up this whole thing with them following martin the whole time mm-hmm. he was in gross point and, you know, you thought there was going to be this huge confrontation and everything. They bust open the doors. Bam, 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 bam. They're taken out so quickly. Um, it was yeah. just like, okay. But again, Azaria's character is also a jerk. Um, True. Oh, yeah. He's got the great moment where he calls the station. and Long-time <laughs> listener, first-time caller. Mm-hmm. So, uh, funny. so funny the way he sells that. Yeah. Uh, um, Alex, last word on Gross Point Blank. Gross Point Blank is uh, a phenomenal film and one I'm very glad that we had the opportunity to talk about. Um, I'm so thrilled. It's an honor uh, when when Ashley sits there and says this is not one that I had seen uh, and really wanted to. I, I, it's amazing. That, that fills my heart, uh, especially because it sounds like, you know, despite the fact that she clearly hated the soundtrack, uh, she enjoyed the film. It was all before um, her time. It was all before her time. It's okay. Um, so I, I love the fact that that it, we got to do this, and it stinks that you know we had to do it because of the fact that we have nothing to review. Um, but the the fact is, is being able to go back with these retro reviews uh, is actually kind of refreshing, and it kind of gives us the opportunity to have uh, another uh, viewpoint to a film 
that maybe we had had missed the first go around. Um, I, I think if anybody wants to see just how good uh, great music can can add to a film, uh, this is definitely one to check out. It totally and, sets the um, tone. Give yourself an extra game. Give a shot every time there's a spare Cusack on the screen. You'd <laughs> be hammered. Oh Jesus. Uh, I am, uh, I appreciate that. And I appreciate, uh, yeah, you choosing this. So I finally get a chance mm. to see it myself. So brought back a lot of memories. It was almost like, you know, is the class reunion that I never got to attend. So I still haven't gone to any of my class reunions. So, but now oh, I feel like a probably smaller like body I, count at yours. Yeah. Well, mm, yeah. Some of the kids, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah. So, um, cool. Well, that's it for this review um, and we will be right back with uh, the close out of the show welcome to a geek girl's take i'm your host angela and this week this geek girl is talking about the show solar opposites so i've had a lot of extra time to watch some new tv shows recently one of those shows is solar opposites it's a new show on hulu that was created by justin roiland one of the creators of rick and morty now, this show is odd. It is basically two shows in one, really. You have a storyline of the aliens who come to Earth with a pupa that will eventually grow up and destroy the Earth, but make it inhabitable for the alien race after they had their planet destroyed. We see these aliens interact with the humans in their neighborhood, and we see the teenage aliens go to school and try to fit in with the other humans that are at their school. But we also have this other storyline in this series. The younger aliens will randomly shrink people, really for no reason at all, and put them in the wall of their house. They also have like a glass area on this wall so they can watch these shrunken humans, which is kind of creepy. We see the struggles and fights of these shrunken humans and the way they have created a society and such. It's actually very interesting, and the way the two stories of the aliens and the shrunken humans intertwine is also really weird. We also have a really, really sad storyline with a cute little mouse, and it still breaks my heart. But truthfully, the mini-human episodes are probably some of my favorites in this first season. So the first season is out now on Hulu to watch, and it's a really interesting take on the alien next door trope that we see in so many animations recently. So I would definitely check it out if you like, you know, adult cartoons. It's pretty fun. And, you know, it's it's an interesting watch when you're just at home bored. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Let's thank our movie folks. Ashley, thank you so much for being here tonight. 
Oh, thank you. It is always a pleasure chatting movies with you all. And it's fun to go back and look at some of these classic films or ones that we haven't seen before. So I'm really enjoying it. And it's helping with the no summer movie blues. Well, you guys are going to be with us for quite a bit, actually. I think you guys have two weeks off and then you guys are going to be with us consistently for a few weeks. So it'll feel like summer again. Yes. Exactly. Well, here in Georgia, it does feel like summer. Yeah. It was almost 87 on Sunday here. So it's just like, yeah, it's right. So anything you want to shout out about, Ashley? Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out. I just finished watching the show uh, Schitt's Creek for the first time. And if you have never seen it, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, A good friend of mine had suggested it to me. And I started watching it as the quarantine was beginning. And... The show just really lifted my spirits. It made me laugh. It was good. It distracted me, but it also had some really heartfelt moments. So this is a genuine one where I can say I laughed and I cried. And so if you're looking for something fun and entertaining to watch, um, highly recommend the show. And I, I really enjoyed it and was something good to watch during the quarantine. That is awesome. And of course, Alex. Ashley's got a potty mouth. I know. Yeah, I'm she like, does. wow. <laughs> she's, she's talk- the name of the she- show. It's the name <laughs> of the show. Because <laughs> of Ashley, we're going to have the explicit no. tag. No Thanks, lies. Thanks, Ashley. Too much oh. time in quarantine. Just no off the walls. That is funny. Um, no, I, a, a pleasure getting to be here. Uh, fantastic opportunity to talk uh, about uh, a movie that I really love. Thank you all for giving me the opportunity to pick the film. Oh, dude. We all took some turns, so you're going to be hearing that throughout the summer. So it should be very interesting. And, you know, it's just a lot of fun being able to watch these kind of movies that this is 23 years that I haven't seen this. So it's pretty cool and everything. And to love it just as much as I did the first time. And it was like, it it aged well, as we like to say. Anything else you want to shout out about? Real quick shout out uh, to, and this is weird. Uh, a quick shout out to the folks running AEW Dark. Um, for those of you who know me, I have been a big proponent of uh, local Georgia promotion, Southern Honor Wrestling. Um, they have not been able to do any wrestling since March, uh, which is very difficult for all of their athletes. Many of them have actually appeared on AEW Dark. Uh, Lee Johnson, Alan Angels, Danny Jordan, all of them have become kind of regulars uh, for AEW's YouTube show. Uh, and if you want to get to see what really good independent wrestlers look like, uh, getting the opportunity to take on some of the biggest names uh, in pro wrestling right now, definitely check them out and, and support them. So uh, any opportunity you can to support local theater, local productions, and local athletes that uh, aren't getting paid millions and millions of dollars to sit at home, do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. It's definitely the place and the way to do. And it's great to help support, you know, people who have no way to make a living right now. And, you know, and support the local arts. I've been saying that for a few weeks now. You, you put your money where your mouth is. You picked up some popcorn at one, at, uh, at my personal favorite theater. Of course, of course, of course. And, you know, it's great to be able to help support, you know, the small businessman and, you know, the theater alex is talking about isn't a chain it's an independently owned place so you know i'm glad to see that they're slowly coming back like with mini golf and having space 
out and everything. And so, yeah. you know, everyone around the country, around the world, be sure to be able to do stuff with people in your area. Even if you can't go into restaurants, a lot of them have curbside pickup or drive through somehow, you know, purchase a gift card. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that's the way to do it. One of our music festivals we go to um, every year is canceled um, for 2020 and they're independently owned. They're not sponsored by one of like Ticketmaster or, you know, one of those. And they, you know, they're asking people just to, if they're interested to just pass the month, pass it on and, Basically, if you do it, your, your tickets will be rolled into next year, so you don't have to pay for next year's. That way, they don't have to refund the money, right? And because mm-hmm. they could be financially ruined if they have to refund twenty thousand tickets or thirty thousand tickets yeah. and everything. So it's pretty amazing, and just try to take care of people. So, and I appreciate everything you guys do. So it's awesome. And Alex, I tried doing DDP yoga this last weekend. They did a live one on Facebook. They did. And, I've been doing a couple of them. Yep. And I made it 25 minutes in out of an hour. And I was like, how does Alex do it? As I'm going, <laughs> you make it your own and you modify. That's what you uh, got to do sometimes. And that's what he kept on saying too. Take a knee if you have to. Yep. Yeah. It was yeah. awesome. It was awesome. And Glad. the admiration I have for you, sir, is even more so. Oh, man. Makes so. me have to do it again now. Exactly. See? And of course, Mr. Mike Gordon. As always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, my friend? I do. Uh, our good friend, Timothy Price, who is, uh, among other things, uh, producer uh, and one of the performers on the uh, Tiki Zombie soundtrack that we did a few years ago. Great musician, great guitarist, has released a CD of inspirational music. Um, it's uh, to benefit his his ministry called Faith, Recovery, and Music. It's uh, a lot of gospel tunes uh, done by, uh, like, um, acoustically. Uh, no vocals, just acoustic music uh, with him and the guitar. Uh, a lot of gospel songs, a lot of some contemporary Christian songs as well. But uh, if there's one thing that Timothy knows how to do, uh, it's play the guitar. He's a beautiful guitarist and uh, has a beautiful message. Uh, I know that the Faith Recovery and Music uh, program that he's put together, ministry that he's put together, is one that's very special to his heart. And uh, uh, if I, I definitely encourage people to check out the CD, uh, check out the, uh, the the Facebook page, check out check out his site for more information, and uh, support him any any way you can. Nope, very much so. And we'll have a link up on the show notes, of course. Of course. As we always like to say. Um, of course, last week we talked about Jerry Stiller and his passing. And we had a couple more this week. It just keeps on happening. Um, as far as I know, these three were not um, any COVID-related, right. which is nice to hear. Um First, we'll do today Ken Osmond, who was Eddie Haskell on the Leave It to Beaver show. Um, he, you know, was mostly known through that, and actually, he got very typecast because of that. Right. And he did acting roles through the 1960s and stuff, but he quit acting in 1970, and he became an LAPD, hmm. and he was a police officer for almost 18 years until he had to retire because he was you know in a shootout and 
such. And so um, I do know that, you know, he's made appearances on like reunion shows and here right. and there. And I'm sure he probably even did a love boat or fantasy Island. We should have had Kevin on here. He would have known. He would have known. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, my sister and I were actually discussing his passing uh, about an hour before recording. And we could not remember a time, a, a character like Eddie Haskell uh, before Eddie Haskell. So we kind of feel like maybe his performance and his character may have really been one of the first ones on television to create what is now uh, yeah. a, a pretty much a, a, a trope of the arrogant, cocky, sneaky best friend. Yeah, weasel type thing. Yeah. You kind of had that in the comics where you had Reggie and Archie. Right, oh. right. But not not as far as television goes no. or even in radio at that point. So it, it's kind of interesting that he was a he was a trailblazer for skeevy characters. Yeah. Um so um but yeah he uh yeah. he he created an iconic character and one that's uh uh that that truly uh could not be duplicated. No, definitely not. So he'll be missed. Um then you had Fred Willard. Yeah. Uh, Fred Willard passed on Saturday. And that one actually took me by surprise because to me, Fred Willard has always been always there. And for, you know, he's been in, you know, first time I think I saw Fred Willard was on Fernwood Tonight. Fernwood Tonight with Martin Mull. Him and Martin Mull were the hosts of the show. That was the first time I had seen him. And then mostly a lot of folks know him for... Uh, Guffman, Best in Show, and Mighty Wind. Also t- also appeared in Spinal Tap. Exactly. And um, so, so definitely we fell in with that group. Yep, he definitely did. And, you know, everyone, you know, whenever I see a picture of him, I always go in my head, what happened? You know, so it's it's just he, awesome. He, uh, now, forgive me, he got an Oscar nomination for Best in Show. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Or was it a Golden Globe that he got nominated for? He was nominated for a Golden Globe. Okay. And okay, I could not remember that best, and for best supporting actor for best supporting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just awesome. He was so funny and he acted, he was on even currently he was on modern family. He was also I on the new show space force. He has a major role. Oh, wow. So, you know, you're, you see him everywhere and he, he's just, awesome when i was teaching well not when i was teaching sorry when i was in uh improv at second city theater in los angeles he was teaching select students in a master's class oh wow and everything and this was back in 2000 so this was 20 years ago and to be able to teach you know with him because he's a second city alumni and it's because i think he was in chicago and he's out of that school. And it's just it's just amazing the work he's done. And you go through his IMDB folks and watch his videos on YouTube. It's his work is just funny. Because most of the stuff he does is off the cuff, off yeah. the top of his head. And it's it's just awesome to see. Um then we also had uh Lynn Shelton pass away. Um, she is mostly known as a director of independent films, but she also directed a couple of episodes of Mad Men, um, episodes of, uh, Mark Marin's TV show, uh, Glow, and also a few others. And it's just amazing that she passed away very suddenly 
within, she was feeling ill a week ago and they thought she had strep throat and she collapsed Friday night. And basically she passed away Saturday evening. But um, also a lot of folks know her as um, recently she's been dating Mark Marin. She's been Marin's partner and listening to his podcast today where he ran a memorial to her uh, from an interview he did with her back in 2015, but he he did the intro and outro. It was heartbreaking to hear. And, and so, you know, thoughts on that. And then Phyllis George. So Phyllis George was a groundbreaker. She was basically, she was the first real major female sportscaster. Yep. And she was also um, a a beauty pageant winner. She was Miss America in 1971. Yep, exactly. And then went from that to NFL Today. Exactly. It's pretty amazing. She was so, she was, you know, there's so many females who paved the wave, but she was one of the first. Yeah. And nationally, and it was just amazing. And I remember watching her on TV with my dad back in the seventies. Respected. Oh, very much so. She wasn't everybody. She she was not a bimbo. She wasn't, you know, she, no, she, you you took her seriously and she was awesome. And she passed away. I think she was in her sixties. And so, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. These passings. And I don't, you know, folks, as I've been saying, you know, it's craziness out there. It's weird. And we just have to be thankful for what we have here. Be thankful for your loved ones. Be thankful for your house over your head. Be and thankful let them for know. Your, exactly. Let everybody know. They want to hear it from you. They don't, you know, they don't want to just keep it bottled inside. Too many people are doing that. Too many people are going crazy. People are trying to act like everything's going back to normal. We're far from over with this, folks. We got a long way to go. You might not believe that, but this is still the beginning. And I think before we get back to regular life, a lot of things are going to be changing and are going to be a little different. And so it's kind of crazy. And speaking of different, join us next week when we're going to be talking about Westworld Season 3. And, you know, this show took a whole different turn this season compared to the first two seasons. And it's going to be real interesting to talk about. Definitely would love to hear from you guys. Feedback at ESONetwork.com or EarthStation1 at ESONetwork.com. Definitely would love to hear from you guys. Until then, hug your loved ones. Be good to yourselves. And you remember, just try to take it easy. My name is Mike Faber. On behalf of myself, Ashley Pauls, Alex Autry, and of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, we will see you here next time on the Air Station One podcast. Peace. And we're done. What the hell kind of segue was that? You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. 
go to patreon.com slash ESO network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the TeePublic store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.